Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I am Jay Jones, and I'm here with George Mays. And today's Free for All Friday, George. It is. Yep. It feels like just these long stretches since we're not doing Text Driven Tuesday. Yep. It'll be back soon, though. A little coffee. <laughs> a little coffee. Get going. I don't know that I'll need coffee to, for today's episode, though. Okay. Um, today, I guess we'll talk about have an honest conversation about the Southern Baptist Convention. Okay. An honest conversation because the convention <clears throat> is going on right now, mm-hmm. every year. It's and our church is associated with the Southern Baptist Convention right. as we would give to. Um, the executive board. We can talk about why we do that later. Uh, we bypass the local and all that. Uh, but things aren't things aren't going great. Things are that might be an understatement. <laughs> um, some people see it as totally fine. I think a lot of this will come down to um, your ministry philosophy and theology on a lot of things. But I thought it might just be good uh, because the way just to put all the cards on the table. The way things are right now, probably what we will be doing is making a case to our other elders to, and see if they're on the same page with us about leaving the uh, Southern Baptist Convention. And then, of course, we're congregational, so the church will have to uh, affirm that as well. We'll have to make the case to the church. So this won't be us making that case today. Um, maybe maybe that's coming in the future. We'll make a video about that. I, I don't know, but let's. I just want to have an, a conversation about it. The SBC, like our experiences in the Southern Baptist Convention, um, what you've seen since you've been in, uh, what you would hope to see change, and the trajectory of where things are going, and why now probably we think maybe it's time to go. What do you say? Hey, I'm just here for the ride, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm uh, I'm just gonna follow your lead on this one. <laughs> you know, I I mean, our our background is um, is um, different. I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. Mm-hmm. I, I've only known Southern Baptist churches. Yeah, uh, my parents met in a Southern Baptist church. They were married in a Southern Baptist church from from birth till right now. Yeah. I've only been in a Southern Baptist church. So it's it's all I've known. Mm-hmm. I went to a Southern Baptist seminary. So um I've goodness, I've I've taught lessons on the Cooper program <laughs> in Sunday school before. Right. Um so I'm 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 there. Yeah, and, and even joining our church, people get spun up on the mm-hmm. cooperative program, yeah, and and all of that. Right. So, um, well, take us, take us, uh, take us through kind of your. I'll talk about mine in a minute, but you're an insider. Yeah, I'd say I was an outsider <clears throat> who, by choice, became a Southern Baptist. Uh-huh. So I have a different perspective than you. You're more guilty than I, <laughs> right? For real. <laughs> um, well, I was I was pretty hopeful about. We'll get to that in a minute, but yeah. Um, you have an insider's perspective growing mm-hmm. up in it. Now, talk about as you became a uh, as a you became a man. You began to have your own. Appreciate kind of, that, Jay. That's the way Appreciate. of the world, right? <laughs> uh, when you're in high yeah. school, you know you're in this process of 
thinking your own thoughts, yeah. developing your own theology. You become mm-hmm. a man. You, your faith becomes your own, really. Um, you called to the ministry. You're studying theology. Mm-hmm. When did you see some things were wrong in the SBC? Hmm. That is a good question. Um, I don't know if I could pinpoint anything particularly. You know, I uh, went to uh, Oklahoma Baptist University, which is Southern Baptist. Um, It's partially funded by the state convention. Um. So by that, Start, uh, just explain that. Uh, Churches okay. of Oklahoma give. Okay, so so I think we talked about this before, but uh, just to, because there's a lot of misunderstandings about what the, the Southern Baptist Convention looks like. Um, I know that some IFB churches, they accuse us of being more like Presbyteries. Right. Um, so there is, uh, every, every church is autonomous. That means that they can make their own decisions. Mm-hmm. So they... They stand by themselves. Okay. They can call their own pastor. They own their own property. The no no entity of the Southern Baptist Convention can say anything about a local church. Okay, um, but within local churches, they can voluntarily uh, associate together. So there's local associations. So the Comanche Cotton Association here is the association of local Southern Baptist churches. Then there is the state convention. So all of those all those churches can associate voluntarily with the state. Right. And the state entities. And then um, they can also voluntarily associate with the national yeah. convention, which is the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh-huh. Um, and so when we give money through the Co-Opter program, the Co-Opter program is a, a method of giving that Southern Baptist adopted in the... Like 20s, uh, right? It was the early 20th century, I believe. I don't remember the exact date. Um, anyway, it was, it, was, it was meant for the churches to be able to give corporately to um, a missions entity that would fund missionaries instead of missionaries. Before then, missionaries had to go from church to church uh, raising their own funds. And so they'd have to come back from whatever country they were in to solicit money. Right. Um, and that, when you travel by boat, <laughs> that's a long time. Right. I mean, we're talking, you could be gone for two years or longer um, just trying to raise money so you can go back. So uh, the cooperative program was, was started to, uh, to help with that. So now churches give to the cooperative program, and that money is dispersed amongst the different organizations of the SBC, and uh, so that's how everything is funded. Mm-hmm. All right. So if you give to the cooperative program, if your church gives to the cooperative program, they send their money to the state convention. The state convention takes some of that back. Ideally, they'd like it to be 50-50. State holds back 50 sends 50% to the executive committee, which is the, their, I don't know, they're, they're the organization that disperses the money yeah. uh, na- nationwide. Uh, so you give it to the, uh, the state, and the state will, uh, will distribute it to different areas. And uh, one of those areas in Oklahoma is Oklahoma Baptist University. Yeah. Um, so as a Southern Baptist, I got a discount on my tuition. Yeah. 
Um, Some of it goes to there. Yeah. Most of it stays in the personnel. Side, well, right? I, I wasn't gonna. I was gonna <laughs> save that. But yeah, the the big problem, and uh, this, I'll get to that. Okay, maybe I'll get to that because yeah, yeah, that yeah. was that was a big deal for me uh, about seven or eight years. So ago. that's one of the things you saw. Oh so, yeah, yeah. So you're at OBU. So I went to OBU um, and noticed that something was off um, because you go to a. I, I guess I was kind of sheltered uh, growing up, so I come to OBU and it's a Baptist University, and you have to take you know Old and New Testament, and um, you go to Old Testament, and the professor is arguing that the plagues in Exodus um, weren't supernatural, mm. that God that that Moses didn't actually turn the Nile to blood, but that it was some kind of Natural, Bacteria. natural, Bacteria. yeah, natural phenomenon. Now, this is post-conservative resurgence. Oh, yeah, yeah. And for people listening, they might think, oh, that, that probably was like in the 70s or early 80s. No, no, no. This, no, no, was, no. this was early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there, it was like, that's that's odd, right? Um, and then just some of the, the nonsense with the preaching. Um, I was starting to pick up on some of the, um, just the poor, the poorness of the preaching. Mm-hmm. Like something was missing. I wasn't, I wasn't there to expository preaching yet, but even then I was like, something's, something's off. Um, <laughs> I remember one, I remember one week we had, we had Wednesday chapel and Friday chapel and Wednesday chapel. Uh, the, the preacher gave an illustration and, uh, made it personal and said this happened to him. Friday, another preacher gave the same illustration and applied it to him also. So yeah. massive, uh, massive coincidence. Yeah, you could hear, you could hear all the students, <laughs> like they, they all caught it. <laughs> like we've heard this before. Um, so that was, that was when things started to be a little odd for me, but I, I couldn't put my finger on it. Senior year, um, became a music minister at a Southern Baptist church. Mm. It was, uh, it was after college that I started listening to RC Sproul, John MacArthur, Piper, um, these guys that were actually doing expository preaching and exegeting passages. And then things started to start to really come into focus because all that I'd ever known in Southern Baptist churches was topical preaching and it was shallow. It was often repetitive, um, but no depth, no, no real conviction, and uh, as I as my theology started to shift, my views of how church was done um, started to shift also. Mm-hmm. Now that I didn't, I didn't really attribute that to the denomination as a whole. I was attributing it mainly to just my own experience in the church I was at. Yeah. Um. It was until, it wasn't until really after seminary that I started to um, to pick up on some of this stuff. So uh, come back to, uh, to Oklahoma from Louisville in 2013 and uh, immediately started having trouble with the association because my church, me and the pastor were Calvinist and there was trouble in the church and the church was going to split and the association was siding with the, they never side with the pastor, right? Like here's the guy who should know theology the best, 
but we're going to side with everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's it's evenly split. And that's when we started looking into how the denomination was run and we started running into problems with like where's our giving going? Like the association's not on our side. Um what where does where's our money going? What what's happening here? Cuz we we were sending money to the cooperative program and we started finding out that like you said lion's share of the giving 75% is personnel and then as we did some more digging um it was like pulling teeth to try to figure out okay how is this broken down because when you get your the financial statement, the financial report each year, it just says personnel of like the executive director, which is the highest the highest level. Um, mm-hmm. It just says like his his office. Here's here's the money, but it doesn't break it down. And uh, we were told you actually have to make an appointment and go up to the the offices of the the Oklahoma Convention um, and sit down in. A private room to find out like the breakdown <laughs> and that's when red flags started no to cell go phones allowed <laughs> i can't take pictures so if you're going into get a that's secret that's when that's when red flags started to go up like why why are they hiding this stuff and why why are our leaders getting paid so much more when the majority of of southern baptist churches are 100 or less people on a sunday morning most of the churches in the SBC are small churches. Right. And they so you've got pastors that are bivocational. Right. Trying to make ends meet while juggling their their full-time job and their pastoral responsibilities and you've got the head of of the Baptist convention making in Oklahoma six figures. More than that. From what I've heard it's over 200,000. That's still six figures, Jay. Well, <laughs> I, when I hear six figures, I okay. usually stop at oh around a hundred thousand. Okay, All right. I've heard it's way it's okay. way over even two hundred. And and that's and we're we're not. I mean, we don't know how it's broken down. Like, yeah. what's their salary? What's their benefits? Do they have a stipend? Traveling expenses? Like all of this stuff, healthcare, all of that stuff is included, but it's not it's not broken down and so who knows but you've got you've got all these pastors and all these tiny churches and there's churches that are closing because they can't meet they can't pay their bills but mm-hmm. they continue faithfully to send it to the cooperative program because they are passionate about missions because they think it's going to it's missions. going to missions when most but of it, it really is it really is going to um to salaries and um yeah that's that's just it's wrong it's wrong um it, it's wrong for and you'll hear it every year um not enough baptisms right um we're losing we're losing churches we're losing members um we're not growing and there's churches that are so what di- they, are dying they're closing their doors so the answer and is and you've got you've got the leadership that's making money create a new position on evangelism, mm-hmm. pay that guy about 150. <laughs> right. He'll travel around to these churches and right. teach them the evangel cube. Yeah, right. Remember that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, this guy's coming uh, to teach on evangel cube. Are you interested yeah. in having him? Uh, actually, no. Um, We're not. Yeah. So, fast forward to here. Um, again, problems with the association. I mean, we've we've talked about it a lot uh, when 
the church split that I was at, the association didn't do anything. Um, there was stuff going on behind behind my back. Right. Um, and uh, so come to today, we the association, the local association doesn't want anything to do with us. They don't do anything anyway. We we ran into the same problem. Most of the money goes to salaries. Right. Um, we we don't really know what ministries that they do. Why why are we why are we giving money to this? Uh, looking at the Baptist convention, same thing. You've got bloated salaries, and even the stuff that they do, um, a lot of it we would disagree with the methodology. So you got things like False Creek. Um, you know, we we would have we have massive problems with the way False Creek is run. Mm-hmm. Um, and then nationally, uh, it just more and more looks like the denomination, and they'll they will they will scream it. We are orthodox. We we hold to the Baptist faith and message. We our our theology is good. Uh, J.D. Greer uh, just yesterday in his his uh, his presidential address, his last presidential address, said that when he came in, he he said um, him and his mentor were talking, and and they agreed that the Baptist faith and message two thousand doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be changed. Like it it is it's a it's a a good statement that summarizes all of the beliefs of the Southern Baptist. Well, what happened yesterday, Jay? Uh, SBC elected a president that. Okay, so we won't go into all. We won't go into everything that's going on. It'll take too long. Right. But Ed Litton of um, uh, what is it? Redeemer Church is that what it's called? Redemption Church. Redemption. Redemption Church. Church. Um, he was nominated. He, Very, he he was elected. There was a there was four that ran. It was a runoff between him and Mike Stone. Mike Stone was the conservative. Ed Litton is the more liberal. Um, Ed Litton. Oh, Al Mohler was Al also Mohler in was it. also in it. Uh, he, there was it was it was pretty evenly split. So yeah. Mike Stone got six thousand, I think. Ed Litton got five thousand. Mohler got like. Uh, 900 less than Ed yeah. Litton, I think. So it was a runoff between the top two. Yeah. Um, and surprisingly, all the votes that went to Moeller went to Ed Litton. W- went to Ed Litton. Like, here's, here's you know, Moeller, he's supposed to be the conservative, right? And all his votes went to the, the most woke guy right. there. And uh, this is a guy who, um, so they're, they're, they're trumpeting the fact that that, we're gospel centered. We are Great Commission Baptists over and over and over again. Um, Ed Litton is now the president of SBC. He has co preached with his wife. Yes. There are clips out there. You can watch the whole sermon of them sitting at a table, and his wife says, Our sermon. Yeah. On a Sunday morning. Uh huh. Um, he said that CRT is no big deal. Actually, he said we need to, we need to understand it, and, or we need to, because we need to be able to reach the world. Like, yeah. So that's how it's always. He phrased. did a uh, he did a press conference yesterday because it's the world is watching, right, Jay? Right. Um, and he said that uh, I, I found this tweet. It said on or, on ordination of women, Litton says associational approach might be the best first step. But as the BFNM does not address ordination, and we're going to try to keep the debate over it within those boundaries as much as we can. Litton adds he doesn't think BF&M needs to be tweaked, but says there needs to be room in the debate for less narrow conceptions of complementarianism. So 
here's a guy who's he's going to be okay yeah. with women preaching because yes. he's making the distinction that Al Mohler has said is not there in the Baptist in right. the Baptist denomination. We we don't have a theology of ordination. Right. Um, but here is here's the president. Um, but I found this today, yeah. and people might find this the most interesting. You go to the church website for Ed Litton, what we believe. Spot the heresy, Jay. It's like a game nowadays. Yeah, I found it. It didn't take long. It doesn't take long. Yeah. No, if you're if you're if you know your theology, it, it doesn't take long. God. Here's their statement on God. God is the creator and ruler of the universe. He has eternally existed in three persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These three are co equal parts of one God. Yeah. Big Very, problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the uh, new president of the SBC. Um, they can't even they can't even ac- accurately describe the Trinity. Like they, they they their doctrine of God is wrong. But if here, you're if you're not paying attention, you won't know. You'll, you'll just not, read past. You'll it. just read past. But it, here's yeah. the problem. I bet you he doesn't even know why it's wrong. Yeah. He'll probably know now why because people are gonna be blowing him up. But that just will tell you, right? Yeah. You could have somebody write our website, right? Mm-hmm. And like, like, let's sit down and proofread it. We read it. We go, hold up, like, <laughs> right? Stop. Mm-hmm. God is not composed of parts, right? Um, he's not. What do we say? Uh, what's that robot? Voltron. Or he's not. Yeah, he doesn't assemble into the mega being. <laughs> like asse- right. God assemble Holy Spirit. Right. Jesus. Now we've, ta- we've talked about this. The the um, and the, you know the the, the three yeah. leaf clover. Yeah, that, this like is, that's that's partialism. <laughs> Yes. Um it's it's inaccurate. It's it's heretical. And here's the president of the SBC who has it on his website. Right. Uh, I think all you need to know is found in a tweet from Beth Moore that said at Ed Litton, I thank God with all my heart. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you've got you got Beth Moore endorsing. So take that for whatever you <laughs> whatever worth. <laughs> so uh there there it is that's that's kind of the overview of of my experience with the SBC is is that they will make a big deal out of we hold the orthodoxy mm-hmm. and then they'll undermine it yeah they'll undermine it <clears throat> I don't think necessarily it's liberalism like as what was dealt with the conservative resurgence I think it's two problems one is pragmatism uh-huh. it's, it's always like what will work what right. will help our church grow oh will, will it help the church grow if I let my wife preach up here with me yeah. well yeah yeah it will because that's kind of the way you know like he wouldn't have done that 10 years ago mm-hmm. no way because yeah people would have been like what are you doing you can't do that right. but now but now with the way things are going with Again, it's uh, with the feminism kind of streak that's, and they won't say it's feminism, but it is. Um, it, it, he can see, they can, it's a calculated move, right? Yeah. Like this can help our church grow or help us to reach people. So, you know what? Um, even though God says he says, you know, he doesn't permit this to happen, he can say, well, you know, but she's doing it under my authority. <laughs> right. <laughs> Excuse me, like yeah, you get to tell God when uh-huh. you get to to violate His word, right? Like, like this is crazy. So you got pragmatism. I think you're right. Um, I think the problem is theology. They think it's just been settled. Yeah, here's the Baptist faith and message. We can hold it up, and most of the people in your church probably haven't read it, right? Because when I came to Northwest Baptist, I, I said this is my this is my standard right here. I believe the Baptist faith and message is an accurate 
presentation of theological truth. It's not exhaustive, but it's it's accurate. I will I will teach this. I will hold to this. And as I preached through it, people didn't like it because they didn't they'd never read it and they find out, oh, <laughs> I don't agree with this. All right. <laughs> there so so you've got you've got uh, you've got Southern Baptists that aren't actually Southern Baptists because they don't actually know what they believe and they can't back it up with scripture. Right. It's all just tradition. It's all just history and, and feel good and, and nostalgia and it, there's no depth to it. And it it's not just the people in the pews, it's the leadership also. Mm-hmm. And so you've got people who say we're gospel centered, we're gospel focused, we're great we're great commission Baptists. This is this was this was JD Greer's sermon. Over and over and over again, he was he was blasting what he was calling Pharisaical, you know, being a Pharisee in the Southern Baptist, right. and he really was targeting people that were focusing on CRT, right, and uh, you know, women, women's yeah. roles, and oh, you're against CRT, but you're, you know, I wish you were as as focused on <laughs> right. on uh, racial reconciliation as you are with CRT, which he again, they completely misunderstand crt they they completely they don't get it they don't get how dangerous it is they they have no idea um and so we've got people leading us who they've got their 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 doctorate you know they've got doctor in front of them but maybe if you press them on what that doctorate was probably something like church growth or how to how to you know it's it's probably not theology right so the the theology they they act like it's just been settled and you can never stray from it because you've got you got the Baptist faith and message in your hand, but you don't actually know what it says. And so all the pragmatism, their practice is not flowing out of their theology. Right. It's it they're letting their practice get in the way. They're letting that, you know, front load it, and then the theology just kind of follows. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not the way that God has designed his church to work. We've got to have our doctrine, we've got to have our doctrine correct. And then our practice flows out of our our correct beliefs. Right. J.D. Greer, though, would say, that's it, you've got the leaven of the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. George, that's just why. Yeah, you got it. Listeners should should look up J.D. Greer's sermon and listen to it and that's, see if you can spot some of his assumptions. It's not available his yet. Assumptions. It will be after the convention's over. They'll mm-hmm. upload them all. Maybe we'll go through it. But I would just say, you know, in the way angle he went at that, just briefly, um, yeah, the leaven of the Pharisees is, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we want to keep God's Word uh and that part's not wrong. Right. The part that's wrong is making extra mm-hmm. around it, right? Right. Like there's extra things around the law. Yeah. That's Jesus's issue. Now, I don't think his accusation of Phariseeism works because um, all the people that he would say, the people that are against him, like he, you know, he very much personalized it. Mm-hmm. All they're all they're doing is saying, "Can we do the bare minimum of what Scripture says?" <laughs> that's it. <laughs> How how did how did asking the convention to do what Scripture says become Phariseeism? Right, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand that at all. Yeah, he kept saying we're we are um, gospel centered. Yeah, we got to be we got to be gospel above all. That's that's been their rallying cry for the last several years. Gospel above all. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this. That um, you've got. Guy over at Send North American Mission yeah. Board Send. Clip came out of him saying that 
gospel is not good news unless it is accompanied by emotional, uh, emotional, social, and economic mm-hmm. restoration. Yeah. So you got J.D. Greer, who's talking to people who are pro CRT. Let's let's not, you know, let's not beat around the bush. There are people at the SBC that hold the CRT. Um, there's there's clips. You know, we've got the receipts for this stuff, and there's people who are not. And he's saying we've got to be we've got to be gospel above all. And you've got a guy there who's in leadership who says the gospel is not good news unless it's accompanied by all of this other stuff. Right. Maybe we're not. Maybe we don't have the same gospel anymore. Right. Because he he kept saying we got to be gospel centered. We got to be gospel focused. We got to be gospel above all. But he never once explicitly said what the gospel was. Mm-hmm. And so the there people can add to the gospel and all of a sudden it's not the gospel anymore. Right. And so we've got people, we've got people in the SBC that are holding to two different gospels. Right. And so we can't be gospel above all if, if our definition of the gospel is different. Right. Yeah. So, so they're, they're not being explicit about the gospel. They've got this rhetoric um, where they just, they just talk about the gospel all the time, but mm-hmm. they don't actually define the gospel. Right. They don't actually lay out, here's what I mean when I say the gospel, mm-hmm. the good news of, of Christ's coming and his perfect life and his sacrificial death and his resurrection and his ascension. Um, there's, no, there's no talk about repentance. So uh, J.D. Greer talked about how, you know, there's, there are people of color who come at political, political situations and issues differently because of their background. But he doesn't. It's always the white people are wrong, right? So, so white people who are you know pro MAGA, <laughs> they got to repent. Yeah. But what about people of color who are voting for a a candidate that is pro abortion and pro homosexuality and all kinds of sexual perversion? Do they get a pass? Right. Like there's. So we're just we're just not on the same page. Yeah. We're just not on the same page, and these are the leaders. Uh huh. And uh, if you watch the convention, you you will very quickly get frustrated because they're so they're so chained to the bureaucracy and and to the structure that anything that challenges it, they'll just find a reason to rule it out of order. Right. And um, I, I I foresee a lot of people being frustrated after this convention, angry even, and I wouldn't be surprised to see just a massive exodus of churches after right. this convention. Just just from watching. Just a little bit of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. I've got that clip. I don't know if I need to show it or not. You got to show it. What is yeah. it? Like two minutes long? Sure, I can show it. James Merritt, uh, president of the SPC, two thousand to two thousand two, something like that. A very influential guy. Like he's he's one that we would say, like you know, the deep state. People talk about the deep state in our government. Well, you don't need to like fall into some conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. All that means is people that are career politicians. Yeah. Like they're career people, right? So as soon as they get elected, a couple months later, instead of talk, like thinking about how they can serve everybody, uh, the deep state thinks about how can I get reelected? Mm-hmm. And they're tied to favors from lobbying groups and you know, it's this big nasty like web of people who are career politicians. They've spent their whole life there, and they've made themselves probably wealthy off it. Well, the SBC has a, a similar kind of structure, where even, you know, uh, you can only serve two years as president, but that doesn't mean your influence ends. 
Here he is on a resolutions committee. Yeah. Uh, the head of the resolutions committee this year. And uh, so he still holds massive influence. There's like this elite tier of uh, pastors, and most of them are in their positions because their church are very, churches are very big and because they give a lot of money. Yeah, uh, you you and I are never going to be in those positions. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've said it all the time. I'll talk about it when I tell my story. One of the, the best preacher in Kansas City is at the church I used to go to, easily. His name's Brian Albert. Hands down, best expositor. It's not even close. I'd say he's one of the best I've ever sat under. I put him up there with anybody you can listen to that you can podcast. Um, he he's not platformed. Yeah. So if we're platforming people based off of uh, healthy theology and biblical exposition, he should be platformed by Midwestern above everybody. But you know who is platformed there all the time, right? Yeah. We'll talk about it more later. Well, I, I think that all you need to know is about the you know how you get into positions of, of power is that Ronnie Floyd is the executive. He's the head. Yeah. Like he's he's the guy. You gotta hold off. Okay. We're, we're gonna all talk right. about Ronnie okay. Floyd. Okay. All right. I'll just show this clip and then we'll get into my kind of my okay. uh, story. So this happened yesterday. Yeah, this happened yesterday. Here we go. James Merritt. So fellow messengers, let's just put it on the table. Okay. It's time to find out who we are and where we're headed. I'm going to say this bluntly and plainly. If some people were as passionate about critical about the gospel as they were critical race theory, we bring this world to Christ tomorrow. When I was a student at Stetson University, my first semester, I read the New Testament through 27 times. I read the Bible through every year for probably the last 40 years. I found a lot about race. I found a lot about race. There's only one race, the human race. And it's all, we're all created in the image of God. I found a lot about racial reconciliation. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation, not just to reconcile God to man, but people to people. CRT oh, doesn't do that. But I didn't find CRT exactly. in the Bible. Don't well, correction. I did find it. It stands for Christ returns triumphantly. <laughs> it's pretty much the lamest move ever right yeah, there. Did you, did you hear how quiet it was? Everyone was like, "That is really, really cheesy." Yeah. He. Uh, what's What's so crazy about it is just the the end of that the way that clip goes mm-hmm. um, shows that he doesn't understand CRT, nor yeah. nor does he understand why people are objecting to it and they don't want it. Yeah. Have anything to do with it uh, because it denies that people are made in the image of God, mm-hmm. and it denies that mankind can be reconciled to each other through Christ. Right. There's no... There's, and that's the objection. Yeah. The objection is CRT is dangerous because it's a fundamental denial of mm-hmm. the gospel in every capacity. And so his objection and the whole little fitty through just is, shows he doesn't even understand CRT or why, or why it's dangerous. Uh, there, there are two kind of possibilities we talked about. One, he has no clue what CRT is. 
and how dangerous it is, which would be pretty sad, which mm-hmm. would mean he understands less about it than um, these moms that go to the, the school mm-hmm. board meetings, and they're, they're, right. they're <clears throat> angry, and they're saying, you're not going to indoctrinate my children with this, right. which is kind of sad that there's no dads going up there doing that, uh, probably because, uh, you know, men are, are seen as toxic, and people would feel threatened, and they'd probably, like, leave uh, if they did, but... Or the other option is, I think you said, is he does understand it completely, right? Which is maybe worse, mm-hmm. because which means um, he doesn't want to speak out against it publicly because yeah. he has fear of man. Yeah. He fears what the world uh, will say. Uh, a, a, an opposition to CRT is not an opposition to racial reconciliation, and that's, that's how it's being framed. That's how the world wants to frame it. Yeah. Yeah. But if you if you look at CRT and just look at the way that it's being presented and look look at its effects. You don't have to you don't have to have a PhD in this stuff. You don't have to read all of you know massive pile of CRT books to see the effects of CRT. It's not bringing racial reconciliation, it's bringing further division. Well, you know, when the when the founders of it from the Frankfurt school, we might we have to do it. Should we even do a whole thing on it? We could do a whole thing. We could just point them to uh, the Just Thinking podcast. Mm-hmm. They have a whole episode. It's like two and a half hours long on it. The history of it. They talk about the history of it, how it got to America. Frankfurt School is where it was first envisioned. Um, they What they did is they took Mark, uh, Marx's ideas, uh, and instead of taking, like, there's two major classes, like there's the rich and the poor, uh, the bourgeoisie and the proletariat, and you know, eventually there comes a crisis point between the two and revolution. They saw that that could never happen in America, so they created a different social this different social theory theory called critical race theory. And they tell you their goal. The, they, their goal was to deconstruct the West, right? Mm-hmm. The family, religion, all of that has to fall. So they pit. Uh, different social classes, and in particular races, the races against each other. Anyway, it made its way to America through um, Columbia University. They shut down in Frankfurt, moved to Columbia University for a while, and uh, eventually made its way out through the, uh, into the legal system and out. The purpose is to dismantle and deconstruct the West. Um, you ought to take them at their word. <laughs> <laughs> right. If he'll tell you, like, here's what we're doing when we create a theory, here's our goal. Yeah. But everybody today is like, no, 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 it's a good thing. It's a good way to analyze and to see how we can promote and bring healing. Like, no, no, that's not, that's never was the goal of this. And you can see that it's not, like it's not doing it. It's not bringing about healing, uh, a restoration or anything, because that's not its intended design. Um, okay. My story, I guess. Is yeah, that where let's hear it, man. All right, George. So um, I was saved in a Southern Baptist church after I redeployed from Iraq. Um, so I'm not going to give you my whole testimony, but there, there it is. My wife had started going to this church because while I was deployed, the pastor heard uh, about that my wife was pregnant, going to give birth soon, and so he, uh, he went to visit her when she gave birth to Brooke. So she starts going to this church, and I really like that, that they cared that he cared for her like that. That meant a lot to me. So when I got back, we start going. At this time, I am uh, 
an agnostic. I wouldn't know what the word agnostic means because I, I didn't know any of this stuff, right? I never, I didn't read books. Like my, my life before this was like um, baseball, plumbing. Then I got, got, became a field artillery officer. And so anything I read is on military or, you know, artillery stuff. I have no idea about philosophy. I'm an agnostic at this point. Don't know if I believe God is real, but I know if he's not, life is meaningless. There's no point in life. So, long story short, God saved me out of that as the preacher was preaching through Philippians, and uh, I was born again, and I started to read the Bible, like, so much, um, and, it, and it was, like, the greatest thing ever. Reading the Bible nonstop, love it, has different questions, I'm looking up all these things, learning all these new vocabulary, I mean, I had none of this stuff. And uh, eventually, I'm like, do, okay... This church is good, but should should I become a part of this church? Should it, you know, so I have this big book and has all these different denominations, like and their origins and what they believe. So I, I read the whole thing, this big massive thing, and I learned about liberalism and all that stuff and how different denominations embrace that, deny the Bible, and then I see the Southern Baptist Convention. They had their battle for the Bible, the conservative resurgence. I'm like, oh man. Like, uh, they had this challenge and overcame it. And I'm like, these people here, George, they'll die on the Bible. So I was like, I'm in. Count me in. So I became a Southern Baptist by choice. I didn't grow up in a Baptist church. Grew up in the charismatic world, uh, kind of in that uh, Pentecostal, uh, classical Pentecostal uh, world. Uh, but in military chapels, mainly. So I become Southern Baptist, jump in, um, get called to be a preacher. Didn't even know what that meant, but I, I felt a strong urge to be preaching. So tell the pastor, and his way of like getting me ready for that, he's like, well, I guess you better start teaching Sunday school. So gives me a Sunday school class. Uh, had no idea what was going on. And he's like, and, and so the, you know, the director's like, Here's the quarterly. All you need to do is teach these lessons. So I'm like, okay, well that that's not too not too bad. I mean, they, you give me everything's given to me right here. All I gotta do is follow along with this thing. So this is the first time I know something's not right is when I encountered their lit the literature. Okay, because I have the Bible in one hand, mm -hmm. Sunday school material in the other hand, right? And I'm like, uh, but and it would happen pretty often, but I don't. That's not exactly what that word, this verse means. Like I couldn't figure out what they were doing with it. Um, they'd either, either like really spiritualize it, or they'd turn it into some massive introspection, like talk about what this verse means to you type thing. And the the way they would connect things, it was just very very shallow. It, it and and then I didn't even know like proper Bible exegesis. But I'm like, this doesn't fit with like what's around it. Like I didn't understand what was going on. So I stopped using it. Like I'd say, okay, they say we're supposed to teach these verses. Okay, I'll teach those verses. And then I would just create my own Sunday school lesson. And I wouldn't even use the quarterly anymore because I'm like, something's wrong with it. It's weird. Um, so that's my first time I see something is uh, something is not right with, uh, with this stuff. Um, go about uh, you know, my life, I get out of the army, I pursue going to the ministry, and I go to seminary. So while I was at seminary, I think uh, 
the next things I began to see, as I searched for a church, I would go around town, uh, visited several churches. I was just bombarded with the uh, the the entertainment. And I didn't I didn't understand the categories of how to put these things, that how how we would call it pragmatism, but how the entire church service was just very very worldly. I'd say that. Like it was not geared toward glorifying God and honoring God. Um, it was geared toward um, a non-believer. Mm. What would make a non-believer comfortable in this church? And so I was bummed. And, and one time, I remember even Angie, she looked at me and she's like, you look like, you know, your eyes are about to pop because she could see I was getting very angry. She's like, I thought you were going to tell us to get up and leave. And anyway, we didn't. But that church search kind of uh, a, like hit me like, what's going on here? Well, we, we eventually found a church, started going and, and all of that. Um, I guess the next thing would be while I was there, I began to get some insight into NAM, a little bit of NAM, okay. and their preference of church planters. Like their preference of church, because I was in a church planting track. Mm-hmm. The preference of church planners were former youth pastors. Okay. And so I began to ask why. Well, the reason why is because of their strategy. Youth pastors put on events. That's what they do. Usually entertainment-driven events. And right. so their strategy in church planting is very much the same. And so there's a ton of worldliness in that. I'm like, okay, why aren't you asking who's most qualified to preach? Like, who meets these biblical qualifications? You have a preference for youth pastors entertainment-driven stuff. And so then, long story short, I'm looking into kind of the NAM stuff, and I see who's the NAM director in this area, uh, and who's he developing, and I'm like, man, this this is not good. And then eventually, even later, new NAM directors who've never planted a church before, mm-hmm. I'm like, how, how does that make sense? Like, they've never planted a church. The one they tried, they failed. It didn't It didn't make and now they're the director. They're supposed to be discipling other church planners and helping plant other churches. <laughs> this makes no sense to me at all. Yeah. Um, and then I guess also at the seminary, the other things that I saw were a bunch of bunch of very uh, uh, there's just there was worldliness. Um, I guess you could call it what what's the term for it? Uh, Syncopants is that the word I'm looking for? Sure. Um, a lot of people jockeying for position mm-hmm. with people of influence. Yeah, uh, trying to get close to those who could position them, or or in the future even could get them jobs. Yeah, I didn't do any of that, right? Um, and so I I go all the way through seminary, and I end up uh. I graduated and I got like the most awards ever given to a single student. Um, and I remember right after I graduated, the first thing I was asked by the president, he said, "When are you starting the PhD program?" I'm like, maybe never. Like, <laughs> I want to go be a pastor. Like, but that, but again, it's pushing mm-hmm. the the seminary. The seminary more. It was a right. business. You got to have students enroll. You got to grow the PhD program. Yeah. You know all of this. Um, another big one, an eye opener, um, just with this pragmatism 
DOM came to visit. We had VBS, and um, again, our church was kind of not pragmatic, right? <laughs> the very first question, how many decisions we got today? <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> how many decisions? Yeah. Zero. Like, and, But that's the philosophy, right? And I think it's kind of evil in a way. Right. Like if I, I could get up, and be like, I could convince every kid mm-hmm. to make a decision for Christ right. through through pressure. and But that's what they do, and they count them, and they want to count them toward the numbers. It's the obsession with those numbers and the decisions. Um, we got a new president. Um, he was a major upgrade. He um, was reformed, um, and I believe that he is. But instead of joining a reformed church he joined one of the biggest, most influential churches that had the most money. It wasn't even anywhere close to the seminary, by the way. <laughs> it was a pretty long ways away. Yeah. Um, and th- wouldn't you know it, the church got a massive donation, or the, the seminary got a massive donation yeah. to complete the chapel. Mm. And simultaneously, that church got a campus service mm. at our seminary. Okay. Um, so of course, you know, you can see kind of the way the game is played. Right. Right. It's uh and, and you know, my perspective, hopefully I'm wrong, is the place he went was not based off of conviction, but based off what could advance uh the school the best. Mm. And that to me that that just seems kind of gross. It's very political. Yeah. But that's just the way the SBC works. <sighs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And so the church got a bunch of money, big booster and money, finished that chapel out, all that. Um, all right, so now my eyes are wide open to the way things go on kind of in the convention. Um, pastors use relationships to advance themselves. And, and this isn't just like occasionally. Like this is rampant. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've, over the past six years, I've seen it in Oklahoma. The goal is... Small churches are used as stepping stones, right? I leave seminary, I go to a small church, get my feet wet, but I have other connections, and I show that I can get this small church to give to the cooperative program. And if I can demonstrate that, well, when positions open up at larger churches, those powers that be will lobby for me, and I'll get that position. And the goal is to continue the upward progression, and it, and that's and people have ways of of guess of guess you know of course speaking about this and you know, couching it in spiritual language, but it never goes the opposite way. It never goes. God's calling me to a smaller church. It's always God's calling me to a bigger church. And <laughs> you're right. It always goes that way. Yeah. And then eventually, people that show they can play this game are given positions within the convention. They become trustees, they get put on committees that make decisions, and and that's the way it goes until you eventually rise, you know, over 20 years you can rise to the top if you play that game. Um, that's just uh, that's just very worldly, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it has to do with the kingdom, I mean, at all. Um, it seems like you're use. it seems like the churches, you're using Christ's bride. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, that's the... 
I think the I think the biggest problem with the SBC is it's it's just gotten so bloated. I mean, it's just so big, the bureaucracy, and so um, it it all just becomes political. Mm-hmm. Like you said, just jockeying for positions. Um, it's been well documented that you get those positions and you get book deals. Yeah. Um, there's a book written by a former uh, North American Mission Board uh, worker called Spending God's Money, and she documents just the waste that the North American Mission Board was engaged in. I mean, right. they were sending people over to like movie premieres yeah. and having like these fancy dinners with lobster and, and it's just insane. And and just seeing how people were getting book deals. She gave an example of one time they had like this big um, evangelism initiative that they were going to do and they ordered all the supplies and then they dropped it and, and just all the supplies were like millions of dollars worth of supplies that they just didn't use because someone had a bright idea and then they, they had another bright idea. Right. Um, and what's uh what is not what's not being celebrated is faithfulness right it's not doctrinal integrity and and being a faithful minister of the gospel is not not in not in the sense i think that the scriptures would describe those things right like you might see numbers mm-hmm we were going to talk about Ronnie Floyd. You didn't talk about Ronnie we're, Floyd. We're getting there. Okay, are we yeah. getting there? Okay, yeah, we are. all right. Because we got to talk about Ronnie Floyd. Oh, we if, will. if we if we want if we want to see what's wrong with the SBC, I think we look no further than Ronnie Floyd. For sure, he met he meets all these categories. Yes. <clears throat> so you know, seminary's done. I get all these awards, uh, Lifeway, even the Lifeway Leadership Award I got, um, and I have almost ten years of military leadership experience as an officer in the army. Like I'd say I'm decently qualified, right? With just that experience, um, I could apply for a secular job and become like the manager of Sam's and make a ton of money. Some of my peers did that when they got out. Um, But what I saw was because I wasn't like in that world playing that game, like my peers who got like C's in class and their experience was like youth pastor for you know three years. <laughs> they're uh, they're getting placed at churches uh, like mid-sized churches, you know, two or three hundred people. Their first job, like their first pastoring job, and so I'm like, hmm, this is weird. You know what I'm saying? Like this is odd. Like, uh, and and that's just how it is. The other thing I realized is, is that I found out later is that I broke the eleventh commandment. Mm not knowing, you know, that I had. So, of course, you know, the, <laughs> no one is going to uh, try to help me out in, in any regard. If and connected. people deny that there is an 11th commandment, but <laughs> it is super obvious. Well, I broke it talking about Ronnie Floyd. Okay. And so that leads us into it. Okay. <clears throat> so Ronnie Floyd had a, a big church in, in, in Arkansas, northwest Arkansas, right? Is it Fayetteville area? <sighs> I don't remember. <clears throat> All right. Well, he uh, one thing he did, which to me is insane. There are two things that he did that are, I think are insane. One is the fire engine baptistry. We've talked about it before, I think. Yep. He had a fire engine baptismal where like all these kids would come to his mega church on summer camps, 
and they're baptizing like everybody, man. Like everybody's going down the slide. There's like a water slide. It like shoots confetti and sirens go off when you go in the water, right? This place, I, I believe the children's ministry was designed by somebody at either Disney or Pixar. I can't remember. Yeah. It's high dollar stuff. And uh, one of my professors was ministering at the time in Bentonville when this was going on. And he actually wrote to the church. He said, you need to remove every kid from my church that you put on your, uh, that you counted as a baptism. Like the parents were upset. They're like, the kids that didn't know what they were doing. Um, he never publicly repented for that, ever. You know that? I mean, how, how, like, baptism is, it's a beautiful gift that God's given to the church, Right. And it just made a mockery of it. Yeah. And we're supposed to be Baptists. And for me, I'm like, and no one speaks out about it. Albert Mueller doesn't. Um, none of the presidents, none of the other presidents do. No one of influence speaks out against it. Nobody. So I'm like, what is going on? We're Baptists? And then the other part was that I saw is uh, he had satellite campuses. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that satellite campuses is not Baptist. Right. We believe in autonomous local congregations. And satellite campuses, the way they work and the way he set them up is that they are run by um, the main mother church. And so the, these congregations, these people, they don't, they don't get to decide on how the, like they're giving. They don't make any decisions. That's, that's, uh, that's the Episcopal model. That's like Episcopalianism. Um, it's not Baptist. And yet, that's totally fine. I mean, J.D. Greer—that's the way his church is set up, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the irony. He's a Southern president as well. So, I'll take a break because I've been talking too long. But talk to <laughs> us, George, about what Ronnie Floyd did, <laughs> because the first time he came up for president, <clears throat> he got shot down. Yeah, he failed. Right, and he failed because people said your church hasn't given enough money to the cooperative program. Right. So, what happened next? Well, I mean, they went back and they started they they i i don't know all the all the uh inside info about what they did at the church to increase their giving yeah but they increased their giving quite substantially i believe well one thing he started doing is preaching money curse theology okay did you ever see those clips i didn't no like but like, i mean he's not alone in in preaching that in the steve SBC. Gaines. Steve yeah Gaines steve Gaines. Uh, yeah president as well uh-huh if you don't Tithe, if you don't tithe, you're gonna. If you don't tithe, your kids are gonna get sick. Your yep. car is gonna break down. Mm-hmm. Bad things are gonna happen to you. Yeah. You're stealing from God. Right. Yeah. And so when they started giving more, he comes back up for a ele- uh, nomination, and he he gets it. Right. Yep. I mean, this is just again underlining some of the problems. Of the, pragmatism again, with the, with, the, mo- with yeah, money, and, money and numbers influence the guy with the fire engine baptismal that never repented and mm-hmm. the guy who has satellite campuses which is not baptist then became the president yeah and uh, now he's not he's not just pre- he's not the president anymore but he is now the executive director he's the head of the of he's the head quote unquote of the SBC he's in a permanent position he's in a permanent position as the the top guy yeah who runs it all year long Mm -hmm. not just the president kind of has a limited amount of influence his is year long right so um there's that um all right so that now let me fast forward a little bit then 
So we move down here. Um, we uh, plant, re we restart a church, re replant a church. Um, it's got 16 people. Uh, our church grows at a pretty healthy, sustained rate for, for a number of years. Well, the first thing that I noticed was um, there's animosity from the convention toward um, toward me and toward our church for no reason whatsoever, right? I'm not down here like trying to make disciples of John Calvin, <laughs> right? I'm just down here preaching. I'm bivocational at the time, All right? Bivocational, uh, just preaching, doing nothing special. I mean, preaching is special, I guess. That's it. Um, and the reason is, is because you know. What I found out later is the director of mission missions had preached in other churches, uh, and he had said that, you know, about how evil Calvinism is, mm -hmm. but that how under his watch there would never be a church with elders in our association. Mm. Well, what did I do, George? Right. I didn't. Know, I had no idea about this. What a bizarre hill on which to die. <laughs> right. So we uh, we restart the church and we have elders. Yeah. Uh, we, we have men that meet the biblical qualifications. And so that, that was what was underlying a lot of that kind of animosity that yeah. was there. Um, asked for, I'd I said, I'd like to see the budget. My church wants to know. They don't have a lot of money. Like, I'm not even paid full time. Um, they're stretching to even pay me anything, right? Why give to the local association? Like, they want to know what's going on. So it took me a while to get that thing. Eventually, I got it though. Yeah, it's uh, it's an odd thing trying to get a hold of yeah where the money goes. So you know, then I discover on there that you know the uh, it appears the DOM makes around ninety thousand, ninety five thousand. Can't remember what it was at the time. That's his package, ninety five grand, mm -hmm. uh, and that they don't do anything. There's nothing going on. Right, they're not doing literally <laughs> anything. Yeah, I don't know what's going on over at the association today at uh, almost 11 o'clock. I, I don't know. That's a hard sell to get, go back uh -huh. to your church and say, we right. ought to cooperate. Right. We can't pay the pastor, but we're going to pay this guy. Right. Who talks about us <laughs> behind <laughs> our backs. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we, uh, we don't. Uh, we don't do that. And uh, you know, I still was going every week mm -hmm. to the thing. I'm because I'm I'm trying to, yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying right. my best. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Um, got some real some real. Uh, it was just obvious that you know they could care less if I was there. Um, ask a couple questions, which you're never supposed to do, apparently. You know, <laughs> um, even proposed the idea when they were doing a DOM search yeah. thing. I even proposed the idea that we not have one. Not have one. Because we didn't need one because we don't do, do anything. anything. You know, we don't need to hire a guy who acts as pulpit supply. We could spend that money doing church planting and stuff. I yeah. took I took no money ever from NAM doing the replant or church planting stuff ever. Um anyway, uh then we did the church conference. Do you remember this? Yep. Christ Centered Churches Conference. So the idea is to promote Christ centeredness in all matters in all churches and to promote expositional preaching. That's the idea. Right. And you'd think, man, anybody can get on board with that, George. 
Our conference was not designed to promote Calvinism. Yeah, our first our first conference was the gospel. On the gospel, yeah. What is the gospel? That's right. The second one, even, what was the second one on? Um, I can't even remember now. That was the Reformation, wasn't it? The Reformation. Was wasn't it the, the year of the Reformation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first conference is all about the gospel. And, uh, man, nobody from the uh, local association was even interested in that thing at all. Um, you know, I come to find out later that we it, people were told not to go to it. Um, again, I guess because I believe in the doctrines of grace and reformed. Next year, things are even worse. <laughs> big time, big time worse the next year. Yeah. 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation that year, mm-hmm. and uh, the local association was told by someone that we will not promote it. I can't. I don't know exactly who did the telling, but I know that they were told that they would not promote it at all, and they encouraged people not to go to it. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the irony. Here's the crazy thing. That year, on that day... The 500th anniversary. Our local association had a big um, unity, an evening of unity gathering, mm-hmm. where they sang songs and prayed. They they did worship. They worshipped. You can't get around it. That's what they were doing right. with uh, Catholics <clears throat> on the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, George. <laughs> right. With Catholics and Oneness Pentecostals. And I found out about it beforehand and tried to tell uh, the DOM that he can't go. Like, you can't do this. You can't present to the world that we're one mm-hmm. with people that deny the Trinity and deny justification by faith alone. It's a hill literally worthy to die on. Yeah. He went anyway. So I'm like, I'm done. That's it. So that's when I was done with the local. Uh, I can't take it anymore. Well, we still continue to give to the... Uh, cooperative program, well, not through the cooperative program, but directly to the national entity, because mm-hmm. we're like, we, we still want our money to get to missionaries. Yeah. That's a worthy cause, right? Yeah. So that's where it was for a while. And um, we've been hoping and waiting. People keep saying, just wait, things will get better. We got a new president. We got GD, J.D. Greer in there. <laughs> how, how has J.D. Greer done more damage than Steve Gaines did. <laughs> That's beyond me. Uh, Steve Gaines was a hundred times better president. Yeah. So they're like, oh, JD Greer is kind of Calvinistic and he's going to be a great president. Yep. And he just, he's shown that not to be. Yeah. Kind of the same things plague him, which I think is pragmatism. Mm-hmm. Just because he's reformed ish doesn't mean he's yeah. not susceptible to pragmatism. Right. Um, I got to take a break from talking, but. Tell them about what the, happened with the, the J.D. Greer thing and the Romans one thing. Because for me, I'm like, if he can get away with this and not be publicly rebuked, there may be no hope left. That was kind of a moment for me. Well, I think we talked about this on a, a previous episode, but it's, it's, probably, it's probably been a while. We probably talked about it right when it happened. But we gain new listeners every week, George. That's, that's true. So you need to tell them. <laughs> yeah, this happened... Goodness, when did this happen, Jay? Did it happen last year? Uh, no, I think it's the been, beginning been, of last. No, no it had been, to, it had to have been. Years. No, it had to have been last year because that's when we started the. That's when we started the podcast. 
No, it was pre. It was pre that. Was we it just pre talked about it. Yeah, because it happened when we were right. still uh, doing the elder development stuff. Oh, okay. Because we did a little exercise. Remember? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. it has been two years. Yeah. yeah, he was. Uh, he was preaching on Romans one. I don't know if he was going through Romans or I don't know what he was doing, but he uh, he talks about how. Um, I mean, he's he's already he's starting to promote social justice. Um, he's he's already starting to fall in line with um, what the world was already already promoting, um, and he's he his point was we should whisper about what the Bible whispers about, and we should shout about what the Bible shouts about. Uh, well, the Bible seems to shout about social social justice, mm-hmm. but the Bible seems to whisper about sexual sin. Yeah. <laughs> while preaching through Romans 1. Right, while preaching through Romans 1, which you can't get away from the fact that Paul is talking about the unnatural desires that men have towards men and women have towards women because of their suppression of the truth. Right. Like they're, they, the, the suppression of the truth, it can be seen very clearly in the rejection of the created order. Right. And so homosexuality is, is like this this point at which you can see this is what it looks like for people to suppress the truth about God with a lie. Yeah, it's and actually the, where the text culminates. There's uh-huh. like a, there's yeah, like a build like, up it, going it on. It builds up and, and it builds here, up to there. Here you can see this is what it looks like. Yeah. Um, it's homosexuality. Yeah. And he, he says that the Bible whispers about sexual sin. And yeah. so we should whisper about it too. Yeah. And uh, I, I think it's been, I mean, it's been two years since I listened to the sermon, but I, I think that he was, he was trying to make it, you know, the church was a safe place for homosexuals to, to come. Right. Right. Um, now he has, he has publicly said that his, his church affirms, you know, marriage between a man and a woman like he's not promoting homosexuality no he's not but he's but he has at least softened what the bible teaches about it yeah he, in order uh, to accommodate people who are living in this sin yes he's instead of saying look we're not going to take you out and stone you like we're not going to point you out in the middle of the service um and you know uh and ostracize you but we're going to speak clearly about your sin. <clears throat> Instead of doing that, he's he's softening what the Bible says in order to make them more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there's one thing that the Bible doesn't whisper about, it's sexual sin. <laughs> the Bible is all yeah. over the place yeah. talking about sexual sin. Yeah, both both uh, heter- mm-hmm. heterosexual and homosexual, both. Right. Um, doesn't Doesn't whisper about it at no. all. And so I was just shocked that someone of that influence could see in my in my mind it's having a having something you want to say and manipulating and not being honest about the scriptures in order to say what you want to say yeah and in a day when america is rampant with sexual sin it's not just homosexuality america is rampant with all kinds of uh sexual sin uh but for the, our president to do that and to say that, so I just did a little experiment. I assigned the elders in training to exegete Romans 1 and to bring it back and to do a presentation. They'd have like 15 minutes. And George, would you know what? 
none of them came to the same conclusions. <laughs> Can't imagine why not. And they've never and they've never been to seminary. Right. And it's because it's so plain. It's so plain in the text. Um, and that was, I was like, man, this is crazy. Um, but he's very influential. His church has planted a lot of churches, contribute a lot, cooperative program. And he does say, you know, we're about the gospel above all. Uh, and it just, it's gone downhill. And so here we are now, we come to the convention. This year, things came to a head, CRT stuff, um, voting in the new president. So I've waited for 10 years. I keep being told, just wait, things will get better. Yeah. But I kind of think now things aren't going to get better. Um, it seems that pragmatism is really the god of the SBC and drives everything. There's a lot of faithful churches in the SBC. No, the, yes, there you are know, for sure. That's that's what makes it so horrible is that there are a lot of faithful churches. But what you've got is you've got the big churches that um, they're the ones that are going to have the leadership, and it's really hard to overturn that stuff, mm-hmm. um, especially with the way that you you have to be in person to vote. So you've got all these bivocational pastors that, I mean, if they want to go, they're going to have to take probably a week off of their off their of- full time job, yeah, um, to go to this thing because you've got to you got to go you got to you got to um, have a place to stay you got food I mean it's I mean you got to it it's it's a big burden I think um, and in this day and age it seems like they could figure out something that's maybe a little bit easier mm-hmm. for for these guys to vote on um, but uh, it just seems like the the smaller churches are are abused and um, I know that there's people that are going to stay. Um, I, I know Founders is is still, you know, press on. Um, you know, don't don't uh, don't be discouraged. It just gets really hard to keep hearing that year after year after year. Yeah. Um, especially with with everything that has come out about. CRT and um, I mean even the even the saddleback issue was pushed to a committee mm-hmm. um, so it, it just seems like where well, where do we go where how, do we go from here how was saddleback not defellowshipped at this last convention how, how was it not just they are I mean it again it's all the bureaucracy right. so you got a credentials committee mm-hmm I don't know why the credentials committee has to waste any of their time on this when it's public knowledge that they that Saddleback Church ordained women as pastors. They right. didn't they didn't try to couch it in any other hidden language. They said these are pastors. Mm-hmm. That is outside no matter how you interpret the Baptist faith and message, that is outside the bounds of it. The Baptist faith and message literally says the office of pastor is reserved for men. Right. They are outside the bounds of it. Right. How are they not disfellowshipped? We we both know the answer to that. Yeah, we both know the answer to that. Yeah. Um. So it's it. I know that there's a lot of churches that are still going to press on. They're still going to hold on. Um. And each church is autonomous. I mean, it's right. a vo- it's voluntary association. You can do whatever you want. 
Um, and you're not bound to follow any of the resolutions from the the SBC. <laughs> they're they're non-binding. Yeah. Um, but with our particular situation, with especially like our local <clears throat> association, they don't want anything to do with us. Mm-hmm. We're we're still in, but just because we haven't taken any official steps to leave, we don't give any money to them. They don't have anything to do with us. We don't have anything to do with them. Like there's no contact. Haven't seen the director of missions in three years. Coming on three years. I guarantee you, we're one of the only churches growing in this town. Yeah, we've grown consistently I, for the past six years. He he said when he came, it is my goal to be in every single church in the association within the first year. Still waiting. Yeah. Um. So there's the there's the local, um, state. There's just a lot of problems with the state. I mean, just the just the SB 13 bill and how they were speaking for everyone by posting, you know, publishing the the Baptist Messenger, the newspaper, um, opposing it. I'm speaking for all the pastors. Yeah. Just the way that 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 whole thing went and the the pushback that we got mm-hmm. um, reveals that there's a gigantic rift. Yeah. And the things that that I've been to with the the Oklahoma Association are things that their their whole ministry philosophy is is going to be different than ours. Right. Yeah. For sure. Um, and then just with the na- the way the national is going, um, I don't feel confident sending my money to the executive committee because um, I don't trust. And it's sad. I mean, I'm an alumni of Southern Seminary. I don't trust some of the things that are going on at Southern Seminary. I don't trust Southeastern. Um, there's uh, New Orleans wouldn't want anything to do with us because they're rapidly anti-Calvinist down there. Uh, Southwestern's got some shady stuff. Um, Midwestern is the only one that I would maybe be okay with. But with Owen Strayan leaving, right. I don't know. I don't know what direction that's going to go. Um, North American Mission Board... I don't want to send any money to the North American Mission Board. Yeah, they. Re- I mean, recently we people discovered that uh, these Nam, many of these Nam churches that got planted using again cooperative money, money from our churches, money. right? So our money that mm-hmm. we gave, yeah, helped plant these churches. And uh, after they were planted, some of them ended up having uh, women co-pastors, uh-huh. like women co-pastors with their. Right. They're preaching. Yeah. There's video like this is not this is not hearsay. There there are videos of these churches with women preaching. That's that they're taking money from Southern Baptist. I don't want my money going to that. Right. Um, IMB. I don't know. Uh, you know, David Platt when he left as president of IMB, he had a lot to say mm-hmm. about the shady stuff that was going on behind the scenes. I. I just don't have confidence sending money to. Uh, and the bad to, thing about it any, is, and then there's the ERLC. I don't want any money going to the oh, ERLC. Yeah, that, uh, that's <laughs> there's no way I want my money going to that. And, well, and how will you know if dogs go to heaven, George? That's right, or if there's aliens. <laughs> uh oh. <Huh? laughs> Fixing to be an alien drop next week on that information. Yeah. <laughs> from we'll, the government. To, we'll be talking about that. We'll I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but. Um, I think that churches just have to make their own decisions. Churches, yeah. like this is again, this is not something that Jay and George can decide right now. It, it has to be the church. 
The really um, bad thing about this is, is there are really good uh, people that want to be missionaries and are missionaries. Yes, and the cooperative program in its in its original idea was good. Yeah. Um, you read the you read the biography of of Adoniram Judson going over to Burma, and how's he getting money? Well, Rice has to go back and forth yeah. to go and and appeal <laughs> to the to the Baptist churches in America, and then he's got to take a boat, which that's dangerous, dangerous, <laughs> right? Um, and uh, so it's it the cooperative program is in its design. original design, I think is good. But the way that it's been twisted and abused, um, it's I, I just don't know how trustworthy it is. Right. And I, I, I personally, I can't speak for other people in the church. I, I think I can speak for you. <laughs> I'm just, just not confident sending my money towards that when we could keep it here and further ministry here. Or yeah. we could send it to, you know, church plants that we actually trust. Right. Um, so I, I think that um, we're going to have to be innovative in what we do. We're going to have to go back to some maybe less than ideal ways, but at least ways that we can have a clear conscience about. Yeah. Even if we can only support one missionary <laughs> instead of supporting a lot of missionaries, if it's a missionary that we actually can trust, they're actually preaching the gospel they're actually living faithfully they're a good witness um they're not you know they're not they're not buying you know big homes and big cars which that's that happens with imb missionaries um they they're not living in the slums a lot of them aren't um if we can just support one um, there's accountability that's, that's, to the church that's faithful it's under the authority of the local you know of local churches like that's again the the sbc is so big who are these missionaries right who, who are these international missionaries there there's a disconnect from the local church that i don't think was ever intended in the new testament right um so i think that we're just going to have to do some you know we hard um, things several years ago it was at least it's probably four years ago now. Um, our church plant was doing pretty good, and so I began praying, just asking God, asking God to give us opportunity to support right. a mission, some missions work. I didn't even know how to get that started or yeah. how that would take place. George, wouldn't you know it <laughs> that God just yeah. laid it right there, right in uh, in our lap. Yeah. So I was at a conference in California. And I met a guy. I don't want to give too much information because he's in a dangerous place. Mm-hmm. In case these people listen, because they do. Man, there's some shady, crazy stuff mm-hmm. that goes on with the government where this guy is. Yeah. Um, he's like, hey, um, and this is a, this is not an American. This is a local guy in this country. I've planted this number of churches. I have a family member who I've discipled. And his local church has discipled. They're ordaining him. You know, he's going to be a pastor. This is a very unreached part of the world. There are millions of people around it, around him, and there's mm-hmm. very little gospel presence. What do you think about your church supporting him? Yeah, I'm like, well, there you go. I mean, like, right. we prayed for it. Here it is. Right. Present it to our church. Our church really stretched their budget. Mm. People, 
people just will not understand that our church had to sacrifice in order to give. So we became the number one, like we were the supporting church of this church start. Yeah. That was done by all locals. There were no Americans involved, except for us giving, helping to just get money to them. And the way we have to give money to them is kind of interesting too. But um, we've supported them. Yeah. Um, and that's been the majority of our of our missions giving. And I wish we could give more and do it more. Yeah. And so for for people that are listening, you you can do it a different way. Mm-hmm. God doesn't need. Who are the missionaries that we remember? We remember people like William Carey and Adoniram Judson. Yeah. They didn't have really anything. Yeah. They felt like God was calling them to the mission field church affirmed them and sent them out and they went yeah um judson didn't even know the language yeah right he didn't he didn't know anything about burma when he got there mm-hmm. we remember him because of the impact that he had and his faithfulness and um that's denominations are not promised to succeed the church the church will succeed Mm-hmm. Um, the gospel will go forth, and we're just called to be faithful. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of where we are, man. I mean, we're, I think we're to the point where, like, can we can we trust it, even with the amount that we give to the executive board yeah. that it's not going to go to churches that we just can't be on board with? And mm-hmm. um, man, the convention electing a man who. Uh, I mean, there's no way to get around it. I mean, just blatantly would violate clear teaching in Scripture. We yeah. had we had a whole episode on this, mm-hmm. Women Pastors in the SBC. Yep. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it. Not on this particular instance, <clears throat> but on that topic. Mm-hmm. That never could, it never could have happened even 10 years ago. Yeah. There's no possible way. Yep. And here we are. They wanted him over Al Mohler. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yep. That's crazy, man. Mm-hmm. That, that's not a sign of great health at all. Yeah. Um, so here we are. Uh, maybe more to come. Yep. So I guess the shutdown. You want to you want to shut down, George? Maybe we'll do a future episode continuing this conversation. Uh, we'll see. Well, we don't want to end it with you know real downer <laughs> and real depressing. Because the promises of Christ still remain. He is building his church, um, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Um, I'm glad you brought the, this up. The Are you? I'm glad you redirected me. Okay. There's only one final thing I wish to say. Okay. And I've been thinking it this whole time. Okay. The SBC lies about their numbers every year. Oh, here we go. I just got to bring it up. <laughs> okay. I got, I've got to bring it up. Okay. <laughs> Because it's this is mind blowing to me, man. Yeah. For ten years, I remember reading this article. I think it was ten years ago, called an unregenerate denomination. Remember that? Yeah. Was uh, Elif. By, was it Tom Elif or Bill Elif? I think it was Bill Elif. Okay, an unregenerate denomination, and he shows clearly. I mean, and I even wrote an article about this with a spin, uh-huh. military yep. military spin on it. Yep. 15 million, is the, or 16 now is what people are saying, 16 million members in the SBC. Yeah. But every Sunday, only like a third of those are in church. Right. 
So you're missing over 10 million people Yeah, every Sunday, 10 million missing. They're not members. Yep. Right? But it's told that because, like I say, we're the biggest denomination, and they use it for, poli- <laughs> right. for political lobbying. Right. We're the, we represent 15 million people. Yeah. Uh, no, you represent about 4 million probably. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just dishonest. It's just a lie. Yep. And everybody knows it's a lie. And yet it's... Conti- so just think about it. Why would God ever bless a denomination that can't even tell the truth about how many members it has? Why? I mean, lying is still a sin, last I checked. Right? Yes. <laughs> I was trying to think of something witty to say, Jake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's nothing witty to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And there's no, uh, there's no, no presidents ever say, hey, guys, this is maybe an integrity thing, mm-hmm. an honesty thing. Right. We shouldn't, we shouldn't bear false witness to the world about who we are. That's odd. Yeah. Lots of, lots of problems that they can't all be fixed, um, you know, at the top level because each church is autonomous and they're just going off the numbers that are given them from local churches. So if you've got a local church that you've got a hundred people that show up, but they've never cleaned up their role. So they have 400 people on the roll and they send that number in. But that's not that's not necessarily the the national convention's fault. That's the that's that church's fault right. for not being faithful. But they could um, stress this. But don't you get like they they've got a voice that the thing about these leaders from these big churches is that people do listen to them. There's a reason why seventeen thousand people showed up for the convention right. to vote for president because they know that these people have a platform, they have a voice, they have influence. What are they using it for? What are they using it for? Are they using it to provoke, promote godly things? Are they, are they seeing the real issues? Um, there, these are real. These are real problems that that the churches are having, mm-hmm. uh, and they could use their voice to exhort the churches to be faithful. Clean up your role find out where your people are um because souls are are hanging in the balance here mm-hmm. like you're you are you are giving false assurance to people because they've been on the roll since you know daddy was a deacon but they haven't been there in 30 years right and they have assurance that they're that they're saved um that's uh we i mean we could just talk about the the problems of of the Baptist Church, um, the the ways in which we we undermine our own our own beliefs, right? Um, but that would that would take another yeah hour and a half. They're kind of incentivized not to clean them though, because you get messengers. well, yeah, you get messengers based on how many people are on your roll. Yeah, so that means you get more votes right. at the convention if you go based on how many people are on your rolls, right? Well, I, I mean, again, lots lots of problems. Um, there are good things in the SBC. I mean, it's not all that's not all doom and gloom, but um, just for us, it's it's just kind of come to a head, I think, with uh, the confidence that we have in the leadership and uh, the direction that the the denomination is going. 
And just because you're not a part of the Southern Baptist Convention doesn't mean that suddenly you're not a Baptist. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced, convictionally, of of what I see in the Scripture, mm-hmm. which has just been historically labeled as as Baptist. Right. Um, and I I have no intentions on changing my theology um, just because the SBC leadership is changing theirs. Um, so uh, you know the the kingdom presses on. Um, Christ, Christ has died for a particular people, and um, he will have his bride. He will have them. There's there's nothing that will stop him. The church is raiding the gates of Hades, um, and uh, all all of God's people will be saved. Yeah, and Christ will receive all the glory. And yeah. he's going to put all his enemies under his feet, and um, all of God's promises and purposes will be fulfilled. And um, he can use the SBC, or he can cast the SBC aside and use someone else. Yeah, there's a. It, it's just like America. The SBC is not. It's not needed. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the one thing that's maybe the last that's kind of bothered me. <laughs> you just can't stop. I just can't. You just can't stop. I just can't stop, man. <laughs> I try to end it on a positive note, and you just keep dragging me back down, Jay. And, it, it, and this, you're going to have to close this thing out. I'm done. Okay, I'll close. I'm it. <laughs> and I haven't spoken out a bunch on this because you know I don't have all the information, but I think I have enough information now to know something kind of not right was going on. Um, I'm not saying that Russell Moore was right in this either, but you know I've got two daughters. You've got daughters. Um. The sexual abuse stuff. Mm-hmm. It's all tied into uh, the problems we've talked about. Yeah. Um, the people in powerful positions, the cronyism mm-hmm. that goes on. There were there there were sexual abuse <clears throat> cover ups. Yeah. There were. Yep. Um, and instead of bringing it all out into the light of day. Yep. We're not ever going to know. I no. want to know what churches participated what people in leadership participated, and I want to know their names. Yeah, we we didn't even talk about Russell Moore's leaked letter. Yeah. His private his private correspondence between the trustees and between J.D. Greer that just happened to be leaked a week before the convention um, where he talks about racism, racist statements behind closed doors, uh, sexual abuse cover-ups, and he doesn't name any names. That's the problem. Uh, you know, Beth Moore, Russell Moore, J.D. Greer, um, what Rachel DeHollander, mm-hmm. like all these people that they um, they talk about the sexual abuse that's being covered up. They they keep saying there is there's blatant racism in the SBC. Name the names. Right. Stop just stop just giving this this broad this broad accusation. Name the people, because uh, the Southern Baptists don't want there to be racism. Like that's how it's it's constantly being pre- that's that's how it's constantly being presented. Is that um, we don't want CRT because we're racist? That's not the case. We don't want racism in the SBC. We want there to be. We believe in racial reconciliation. We believe that that God saves people from every nation and tribe and, and language. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So name the names so that we can get rid of them. Right. So they can they can be disfellowshipped from the SBC. Um, if there's sexual abuse, if people are covering it up, name the names. Right. Because there is no one in the SBC at at least the local level that's promoting sexual abuse and saying, well, it's a good thing that they're covering it up. Right. <laughs> name the names so that we can we can take action against them. But they constantly don't name the names and by that leak let those leaked letters from Russell Moore. He was part of it. Just just the fact that he's saying yeah. this stuff in a letter and he's not naming names and he's saying he tried to get along and put on a smile. He he incriminates himself. He was part yes. of the cover up. Yes. Name the names. That's right. And let's deal with it. Uh-huh. But as long as they don't name names because of the eleventh commandment, you don't speak out against other leadership, there's it's just gonna be just this downward spiral. Yeah. I mean, we can't leave without the church. I'll close it down, George. You got to take that. We can't leave. The other elders have to be on board. We'll lay out specifically, you know, why we think it's best for us to leave. Uh, Then we'll present it to the church. I could come back, though, to the SBC, but I want all names named before I come back. I want to know all the names. And I want to see them all have action taken against them. And then I think we need to see some real repentance regarding the pragmatism. Um, and until that that happens, um, yeah, I don't think I don't think we can come back. But I'm so hopeful that it can happen. Well, huge episode today. Um, conversation really just between me and George. So thanks for listening. Um, Maybe not the most uplifting thing, but maybe informative for you just to think through, you know, what are the reasons why people are unhappy and possibly thinking about leaving the SBC because we're, we're not the only ones. There are many pastors uh, thinking about it, talking about it. Um, so helpful, hopefully uh, you got at least something out of this today and uh, appreciate you listening. Please like, subscribe, share. Um, Maybe write us a review. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, uh, we hope this helped you to become conformed to Christ.